0: Welcome to a life well lived. Grow, preserve, and transfer your wealth with Ken Olette, CPM Certified Portfolio Manager and founder of Orca Wealth Management. In this podcast, he will provide some clarity in setting goals needed to build, preserve, and transfer wealth and overcome some of life's financial obstacles. Ken provides actionable steps to help you plan through your financial ups and downs in a way everyone can understand. Join us on this journey where Ken will explore many financial avenues, drawing from his three decades of experience in helping others avoid risking a lifetime's worth of work and savings by not having a plan and a strategy in place. Now, on to the show.
1: Hello, and welcome to A Life Well-Lived with Ken Olette. Ken, how are you?
2: Hey, I'm great. It's uh, Labor Day, and I'm working and you're working.
1: Yes. You know, if I've got to do some work, I might as well be with you. We're hanging out. This is good.
2: Yeah, I think I got it wrong. I thought Labor Day, you were supposed to work. And, um, <laughs> and so, yeah, maybe next year. I'll it's burn. a tricky,
1: it's a tricky holiday, you know, <laughs> uh, but here's the thing is that you're wanting to bring education to the audience and education never stops. Kid. That's right. That's right.
2: Got to get it out there. Got to yeah. get it out there.
1: And t- today it's a very interesting topic, something that I really haven't heard a whole lot about. I've heard, uh, you know, the word before, but I don't exactly understand it. Uh, and so I know that you're going to explain it to me, but today we're talking about The Curse of Stagflation. <laughs> love I, yeah, love
2: I love that title. Yeah, I love that echo. <laughs> very, very fitting.
1: I only have one button on this machine, and that's what it does. So I get—I don't get to use it often, but The Curse of Stagflation is very uh, impressive as as far as the title is concerned. What is, First of all, let's, what's stagflation? Define well, stagflation for us.
2: Yeah, you know, The Curse of Stagflation is really... It's because in in the economic world, we, um, we we never like to use that word. Nobody likes to say stagflation because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I liken it to, uh, for those listeners out there that maybe play golf, um, you know, when you're on the driving range or something before a round and you see somebody hit it off the hosels three or four times, you know, that's called the shanks, right? And so you never want to say the word shanks or yips because you're afraid it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy once you start saying it and thinking it it could happen to you right (laughs) and so in the economic world um you'll rarely hear economists speak about inflation because it's such a boogeyman it's it's always in the background that what if what if this could happen you know what it is because it's the worst of the worst it uh it really demoralizes you as a financial individual so that's why um you know, we named it the curse of stagflation, but so, so what is it? Right. Was that your question?
1: Yeah. And I I will just make a mention on that, the whole golf analogy. Um, I used to joke with my buddies, I'd get up there and if if I shanked it, Mm -hmm. I'd go back to my bag and I I would say, Oh, I'm playing with the twins today because (laughs) the second ball would inevitably join the first,
0: you
1: know, (laughs) so they were twins, you know, and then by the third ball, I usually straighten it out. But it was always two in the it was two in the bushes. It was just uh, yeah. Nuts. Yeah.
2: yeah. You got to get uh, you got to get the second one. Sometimes uh, for me, it's the third or fourth too. But you know, yeah. it won't
1: go there. oh, I just meant one hole. I mean, it, it, there could be twins on the second hole too. It's just saying. <laughs> yeah. So the original question: What is stagflation?
2: Yeah. So the textbook definition is the price of goods is rising, right? And mm-hmm. at an above-average rate, we kind of have a good idea of what that feels like right now. Yep. Yeah. And then growth of assets has stopped, or in many cases, it's falling. Okay, so so let's put it simply at a micro level. Um, You're an individual, your employer comes to you and says, Hey, look, no more pay raises for the foreseeable future. And you may or may not have a job coming up. But the costs of goods, everything you want to buy is going up and up and up. While at the same time, your 401k is going down, all of your investments are losing value. Your real estate is falling in price. And so all the things that create the engine for you to have financial security seem to be leaving you all at the same time.
1: Got it. Sounds creepy then. It It sounds (laughs) ugly. That's, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine being in that situation. I mean, the exact situation you're talking about, you know, no raises, no, you know, possible no future jobs, so on and so forth, and then have all this other stuff hit. Um, That is a nightmare situation. It
2: is. And so really there's three key ingredients that differentiate it from all other calamities in the financial world. And those are, as I mentioned, a stagnant economy, mm-hmm. rising cost of goods, and rising unemployment. So let's go down that list. Um, you know, stagnant economy, check. We kind of got that right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, rising cost of goods, what do you think? Oh yeah, yep. <laughs> check, for sure. Right now, the one that's missing, and uh, it, you know, that's the one holdout is the rising unemployment. We've had a very, very resilient job market. So you know, I, I think I heard here recently that there are two job openings for, um, for every applicant, right? Is that, is that right? Or so there, there's not enough applicants mm-hmm. to fill the job. So it's two to one, which is I think an historical anomaly. I don't think we've ever seen that before.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a good thing. I mean, they, they, there's a silver lining there as far as yeah. the current situation. No doubt. So That's our current situation. So let's yep. talk about history here because I can't, you know, just in my limited, uh, education, my limited experience. I don't remember ever going through stagflation myself, but maybe you have a different perspective.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, stagflation is, like I said, one of those things that, um, you know, we as financial advisors worry about a lot of things and there's ample opportunities to uh, not get sleep at night, but mm-hmm. it, with was stagflation. It was really thought to be impossible. It, you, it just, you couldn't have um, weakening demand and rising prices it just didn't really fit in the math so really not to get too much into the weeds about um about economics but there were really two prevailing theories uh, on economics back in the uh the early 20th century those were the the keenism which we still use to this day um a lot of economists use and then we had the phillips curve so what those essentially equated was that if you had rising prices you typically had rising um, or falling unemployment, right? Because you had Mm -hmm. more people working, getting a greater wage, which was creating more money, which was chasing, as we've talked about before, too few goods, right? Yeah. Now to have um, deflation, which would be the opposite, you would have um, prices are falling and you would have higher unemployment. So you typically, because of the demand, right? So stagflation kind of upends that because it, it the math doesn't work.
0: Got so
2: be, because we've got prices that are increasing and at the same time you have your assets are decreasing and you also have higher unemployment to have the official definition of stagflation. So you would think because you have less money out there um, chasing too few goods, you couldn't have price increases. But mm-hmm. that's essentially what we've, um, we're have we worried about. And so there are the basic ingre- ingredients that can cause that. And so we can kind of talk about some of those, too, if you'd like.
1: Well, yeah. And I think what I really need to understand or the audience needs to understand is the difference or how stagflation compares to inflation. I mean, it sounds like stagflation just has a couple more key elements to it. Is that
2: correct? Yeah, it's got that one key element, which is um, the employment rate. So with inflation, you typically have um, a good, strong job market and you have prices that are just increasing all the time, but amply, you probably have your, sometimes anyway, um, you probably have price increases on certain assets, such as your homes and commodities and things of that nature. Whereas in stagflation, there's really nowhere to hide because your assets are going down, whether it be your home, commodities, things, the growth of the economy is going down and you also have inflation. So that's the big difference, I think, between inflation and stagflation is the assets and the unemployment rate. So whereas we're in stagflation, you're worried about your job. If you're going to have one, um, inflation, you typically are getting pay raises. You're getting um, the employment uh, rate is very, very low. So everybody has a job much like we have now. But um, right now, what we're seeing is the, the, the wage increases are not keeping play, pace with the inflation.
1: Yeah. and. Just thinking back, because you and I have spoken about this before, I sold uh, one of my homes. I, had, my, my main residence was in a really good area, good school district, good neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just knew that it was time to take advantage of the market. So we sold our house back in March. And since then... Um, you know the housing market has gone down, right? Yeah. So home values have dropped. So I mean, I'm assuming that I mean that's all part of this perfect storm because that's another contributor, right? So you said that maybe your 401k has lost value, which we've seen the market do that. Mm-hmm. The housing market has gone down, not tremendously. It's not like an 0809 situation, but that's those are all just these small puzzle pieces that create this. So are we just waiting? And I hate to say that waiting on the job market. I don't see it changing. Uh, in the next, and this is just my opinion, but I don't see it changing in the next six months to a year because we still have so many opportunities out there that need to be filled and companies having a hard time finding qualified people, even though they have job openings.
2: Yeah, you're precisely correct. I mean, we're, that is why, that is why stagflation is so bad because you sit around and you wait and you're hoping that there'll be a cure that you're not exactly sure is going to work. So let's talk about, you know, what can you do? So we talked about why stagflation is so bad. All right. it just you know i i want to i don't want to be um you know kind of the 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 grim reaper here economic grim reaper but the the reason stagflation is so bad is because it really really eats at the morale of the public so i mean it, the okay. last time we had this was in the 70s late 70s where we had you know growth unemployment uh, was low um unemployment was high we had higher uh, you know i my, my just spoke with my we had our in-laws over for a month and we were chatting about his first house. He remembers buying, it was, um, you know, 14% interest rates on the home. Um, So things of that nature, you know, that, uh, that the interest rates were so high, but yet you were afraid of you, you were probably going to lose your job. So that's what makes it so ugly. So now we've got to talk about how do you combat that? And it's one of those things that you're trying to cure inflation that we have now right so mm-hmm. in, in in the recent news we've got gas prices that are finally starting to come down energy prices and you're trying to combat those prices so the where the real finesse comes in is to do that you've got to you've got to take away demand right so you've got to wait take away people's ability to buy goods or to at least constrict them somehow and mm-hmm. and to do that you have to raise interest rates to a point where people will be more apt to, to not purchase things because they, if they buy them on credit, they're very, very expensive and people are worried about the cost of goods going up. And so maybe they'll just kind of um, curb their, curb their appetite a little bit. So then what, what happens when you get that is you get a slowing economy, right? And so you're, you're hoping with that slowing economy, it will lower the inflationary uh, aspect without raising the unemployment rate. That is the hard thing to do is that, because they're the consumer is now buying less, right? Corporations may cut back to be profitable, so they may lay off people. And we're starting to see what are we starting to see in the news now?
1: I have no idea.
2: Well, if you've looked at the financial press, you're seeing companies that are starting to announce some layoffs
1: for the oh, first time. I have not I have not been reading that, but I don't keep up on that honestly.
2: Yeah, you're seeing a lot, I mean, I think um, particularly in the tech sector, um, and on the consumer side, you're seeing some first announced layoffs, which is odd because they're talking about, there's not enough applicants to fill the jobs, but yet they're laying people off. So there's somewhere in that mix. There's basically, when you get what we found in finance is that when you get conflicting data, something's about to change. Uh-huh. So we don't know which way it's going to go yet. So we're hopeful. Um, and then that's, that's really what you hope will not occur with, uh, with stagflation is that it doesn't occur. So. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, I mean, you're saying the key pieces of what stagflation is Mm -hmm. and we kind of have a glimpse maybe of what causes it, but is there a better, can you give me a better understanding of what, what leads to it or what can lead up to it and kind of where we're at right now?
2: Yeah. What can lead up to it is the federal reserve. Well, so it's only happened once is because it takes a certain mix of ingredients to cause stagflation. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. Historically, we don't really have a big, you don't. the reason we don't really know why stagflation happens is because we have not had enough instances in the past to say, OK, this we can pinpoint to, to why stagflation happens. We've only had really one world case study, and that was the late 70s um, in the very start of the 80s. So in looking at that, typically what it has occurred or what we think occurs is that there's a shock to the system that's what causes stagflation and that shock yeah. in the 70s was oil prices right energy yes. prices and it was a little it's different than now i mean now we ha- with this time we had high energy prices but yet you didn't have lines at the pump right you didn't have Correct. you know the people weren't there weren't uh, shortages ra- right right they weren't rationing um, fuel so that was the big shock that happened there and then what happens is what we think is bad economic policy causes it too so If you have, if you give people a lot of money, a lot of stimulus, Mm -hmm. that is inflationary. And so when you give stimulus for too long, it takes longer for that money to come out of the system. And so that's what we're going against now is that, you know, for the last seven or eight years, maybe even 10, even we have had um, a lot of stimulus put into this economy by the Federal Reserve, but by the government. Uh, and rightly, rightfully so, you know, we went through a housing crisis and then we went through COVID. The challenge was, is that we didn't, we didn't kind of pull it back soon enough. Um, we let it go a little too long. And so now we've got a lot of that in the system that's got to come out. And so that is what maybe we had the supply shocks and things of that nature. So we've had some shocks and then we've had a lot of stimulus. So that could lead to stagflation. So in
1: other words, what you're saying is in, in 10 years, 15 years, mm-hmm.
2: two guys on a podcast are going to
1: be talking about or could possibly be talking about the stagflation that happened you know, in 2022, 2023, and be able to look back and say, okay, COVID created a situation where uh, employers didn't have as many employees coming into the office. Some of them actually, you know, a lot of people uh, retired, a great mm-hmm. resignation, a re- yep. great retirement group, right? Uh, leaving gaps in employment. Therefore, manufacturing was down. Therefore, the goods were not being uh, readily available. There was stimulus into the economy. So more money, less goods, Mm -hmm. Um, all these different things, you know, they're seeing you've got the uh, the obviously there's always something in the Middle East, but then you've got some oil issues, you know, gas uh, or pipelines being shut down Uh, all these, you know, the war with Ukraine and Russia, they can look back and say historically, here's all these key factors that led to this.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So those were, we've had some pretty good shocks as you alluded to, you know, the supply chain. So you had a lot of money, a lot of stimulus out there and yet they couldn't fill the shelves. And so the price of product went up because there was so few of them. Yeah. Now those are starting to abate a little bit. And now we've got a federal reserve that's saying, okay, we need to bring this in and they're going to be very aggressive in terms of raising interest rates. Yep sucking money out of the system at maybe. If, so if the effect is that that does lower the inflationary scenario, we can avoid stagflation Now we'll have a recession, right? Um, but in, anybody who would rather have a recession versus stagflation, there's no uh, a recession is not as demoralizing um, uh, an aspect of financial pain. That's well, no, no one likes to go through a recession. You know, typically in this country, we've gone through one every four to five years. Just now, with the with the way that the um, we use stimulus and things of that nature, its cycles have been extended to another seven to ten years.
1: Okay, well, I mean, it's yeah. I mean, that's interesting. Again, I don't want to be part of history. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be oh, that's when you know stagflation happened. But I mean, it's not something that we can necessarily just stop right? There's got to be, there's got to be some sort of cure. There's got to be some sort of fix, but it's not going to be an instant thing. So what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah. I think they're doing everything they can do right now. And it's really going to have to finesse that unemployment number. So as long as the reduction of stimulus that we've done already, so we're not, we're not giving more stimulus checks out. I mean, we just did the, um, the student loan thing, which is a little bit inflationary, but I don't think that'll have too much of an impact. So I think the data from inflationary standpoint is going to look a little bit better and better as we go forward. So that's a good thing. So inflation will be coming down. So now the Federal Reserve just has to continue raising interest rates, drawing money out of the system, and then walk that fine line between, you know, recession and stagflation. So I think that the Federal Reserve, you know, in a recession is te- technically, you know, two, two quarters of GDP that, um, that contract. So, you know, you can have a mild recession, as long as it stunts that inflation, and the unemployment picture doesn't get too bad. Um, And I think that would be a healthy outcome for our country. I don't think that there's, I don't think in my view, I don't believe that we can lower inflation, um, get rid of the risk of stagflation without some form of mild recession. It just, if they could do it, that would be an anomaly on par with stagflation. Just, I don't think it's ever occurred. 93, 94, we came close, but I don't think that, um, I don't think that's an outcome that we should bank on.
1: Yeah well i mean again it's uh it's interesting i mean I, this is there's so many you know different factors, and it's it is one decision leads to another, right, and that's what it's almost like a shell game in in my mind canon I don't know if that's a appropriate way to say it or not, but um you know when you have low interest rates like we did for so long and the housing market goes bananas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it, everybody can get a loan for two and a quarter, two and a half, whatever the, the low point really was. And now, like you said, they're increasing, uh, the rates, housing slowed down big time. You know, I, I, I know that the home that I sold, uh, when you look at the estimate on a certain uh, website that will remain nameless online, who's not always accurate, <laughs> but is a, is a kind of a gauge. Um, from the, from the high, when I was looking at it and really selling it, it's down almost $40,000. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's huge. So the purchasing has slowed way down. So although low interest rates are good for a lot of reasons, when they are going to fix this, right, they're trying to fix inflation and they're raising interest rates to try to solve for the problems that were caused by too much money in the economy. Now all these other things happen, which could be good or bad. I don't Ye- know.
2: Yeah, economics is much like medicine. You know, if, if they prescribe a pill for something, it has an unintended side effect on the other. Mm-hmm. Almost all met- medicines have some form of a side effect, whether it be just mild or in some cases a little more grave. In in, in economics it's the same way. If there is something that the that we do w- without just the natural ebb and flow of the economy, if we directly interfere with that whether it be with interest rates, stimulus, um, any of that, it's going to have an unintended consequence, but that is the price that we have to pay. So they just look at it at the form of, okay, if we, if we don't do this, there's going to be more pain than if we do. And that, and that is what is kind of ruled. And so with those low interest rates, one of the unintended consequences was you had soaring values of homes. And so then they get to the point where at some point they should have raised interest rates a little bit because now home ownership is just out of touch for, correct. You know, I remember when I was, when I first got in the business and this is, and I bought my first house, I was 35 years old. It was on a canal in Dunedin. and I bought it up in Florida and a um, little 1600 square foot home on a canal. And it was 165,000. And I remember sitting with one of the senior advisors and saying, "I'm, um, you know, I don't know if I can afford that home. You know, I just, and, and he looked at me and he said, Hey, listen, never buy a home where you can't mow lawns and keep that house. And that always stuck with me, and I, I think now people don't even can't. They have to almost go way beyond sometimes their means to be able to afford home ownership, and it's just a that is an unintended consequence of keeping rates so low for so long that it became a tradable asset, and um, and that's a problem. That's a real challenge.
1: Yeah well, since it's not something we're going to solve on this podcast, right? I mean, this is not going to be something that we fix right now, which would be great because Mm -hmm. that would really do, you know, that would definitely boost the podcast. Uh, But it's something where I know that individuals are out there going, okay, what can I do to protect my family, hedge against stagflation as much as I can? And I know that you have ideas for that. And I know it's not something that you're going to be able to dive into deeply on this podcast today. So Before we end this, I would love for you to have a couple ideas for the audience, but also to give your contact information if folks want to reach out to you and say, hey, look, how do I protect against this as best I can?
2: Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, you want to be proactive with this. And I think that, um, you know, for the conversations I'm having with clients now are, I haven't been able to look at fixed income for probably 20 years now on the short side of the curve, which um, when I say short side of the curve, that's low maturities, you can get some pretty good yield. So uh, the one-year Treasury is yielding you know, 320 right now, and I think it's probably going to go over four. And so if my prognosis is correct, and rates are going to be peaking here pretty soon, inflation is going to be coming down, staying on the short end of the curve and looking at some of this yield um, can have an effect of protecting principal in, um, in an environment of stagflation or deflation um, or uh, a mild inflationary environment where asset prices are maybe deflating a little bit. So um, that is one thing that we've been talking to clients about is looking at the short side of uh, the curve in terms of fixed income. We're appropriate taking some profits in this market, um, which we sh- most people should have over this last decade because it's been an historically great market and maybe putting some of that in short-term fixed income and, and saving it and trying to protect that principle somewhat.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know if you're a football fan, but it's something that flashed through my mind as you were saying that was, um, you know, we're all going to have to take some hits, right? It's all yeah. about, it's all about purchasing the pads that are going to protect you the most from those hits. Uh, and uh, so you can come out without so many bumps and bruises. Sometimes that's just the way the market is.
2: Well, you know, that, that leads me to a, uh, to a great thought. Cause I used to use the football analogy a lot because um, yeah. I played college football and, um, and oh, football's close to my heart. Yeah. And so Um, we should probably do a podcast about that because I used to talk a lot to clients about how really positioning your portfolio is a lot like a football game. You're just looking for um, where the position on the field. Sometimes you got to play defense. Sometimes you got to play offense. Sometimes you got to protect the ball. Sometimes it's good to punt and get the ball in a good position down the field to be able to go on the offensive with good field position. And there's a lot of uh, analogies to football and running a portfolio. And so we, maybe we'll look at a future podcast. I would love that. That'd that'd be fun.
1: fun. It would be fun. righty, sir. Well, like I said, I do want you to give out your contact information for those folks that want to reach out and say, Hey, you know, what can I do? Um, What are your ideas and thoughts? So how do they reach out?
2: Ken at orcowealth.com. That's O-R-C-A-W-E-A-L-T-H.com is my email. And, um, you know, our website is full of wealth of information. We do put our latest podcasts on there. There's a library button there, so you can go in and s- pick any. We have videos. We have YouTubes. We have all kinds of stuff that's uh, informative-based. And that is orca orcawealth dot O-R-C-A-W-E-A-L-T-H.com, OrcaWealth.com.
1: All right. Ken, thank you so much for your time today, my man. Thanks, Eric. You bet. And, of course, our last thank you goes to you, listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to A Life Well-Lived with Ken Olette founder of Orca Wealth Management. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Ken comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Orca Wealth Management, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to A Life Well Lived grow, preserve, and transfer your wealth with Kinolet CPM. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Orca Wealth Management LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Orca Wealth Management LLC does not provide legal or tax advice. Clients should seek the advice of a qualified attorney or accountant as necessary.